Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. I'm excited. I don't know if you noticed. I'm excited about tonight because there is such an expectancy in this place. It's almost like it's not like as usual. I don't know how many women conference I've done with you all, but this year there's something special. There's something different. There is like a, a something in the atmosphere that I cannot put my finger on, but I just know, you know, it's a time for all of us lady, ladies to buckle up and get ready. You know, because I love that verse that says that the women who preach the good news are a great army. And I don't know, ladies, if you know, or if you keep an eye on what's happening in the Middle East, but Ezekiel 38 is about to happen, which means that something we have entered into a great awakening and God is getting ready, I mean, to do something. We are, we got to go out with a shout. And God needs all hands on deck, all of us. But before we can, you know, all of us, we can be those powerful women of God that's going to make an impact before we all go and meet our bridegroom. Glory to God. I can't wait for that. But there are things for us here to do. And you know, I love that this conference is all about intimacy with God because that's what it's going to be all about. And we've got to be women that are intimate with God, that connect with God, that love God, that let him love us. And this in that place of love and that place of security that we become powerful. But as I was preparing for this conference and I was meditating, one morning I woke up and, and I felt the Lord, I just felt that sense that the Lord was telling me that many women here have had a hard time to connect with God and get in that place of intimacy. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the reason why is because very, you know, when things don't go as we want in our life and there's no connection, it's because the foundation is compromised. And immediately I know, I knew what the Lord was talking about, rebuilding a strong foundation in the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me, and I know for you ladies, just bear with me a minute, but he spoke to me about Vince Lombardi. How many have heard of him? If you've been around your husband and they love football, you've heard. And that guy was one of the best coach, and he was coaching a team that kept on losing and losing and losing. And one day he got all the team and he took a football and he says, guy, here is a football. And they all look at him like, he's lost it. We know it's a football. He said, no, you don't. He said, we're going to have to go right back to the basics, back to the beginning. And that's where we're going to start. Here is the football. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, for all of us ladies, 
we are going to, and I don't want, and I know some of you might already know what I'm going to share, but you know what? Let it confirm you, settle you down, and strengthen your foundation. But some of us, some of our other ladies that maybe you have had a hard time really entering into that place of intimacy and security in the Lord, let this message be for you. And before the end of the evening, I am expecting, I just know that there's going to be, like Miss Sue spoke, a lot of burden that are going to be broken off of you, a lot of love heaviness that's going to be shattered, and a lot of love that's going to be poured and refreshing poured on you. You are called to be so powerful. And you know, here is in, and I want to talk tonight about our foundation of righteousness. Because knowing and understanding our righteousness is what will enable us to enter into that place of intimacy with God. And so here is a good acid test, something that will enable you to realize where you are. When you've messed up, and you've done what you know you 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 didn't do what you were supposed to do you didn't do what you, you know and you did what you were not supposed to do and you messed up at that very moment i'm not talk, talking on the head level theologically i'm talking on a heart level deep down in your heart how do you feel or how do you think god sees you how do you feel or how do you see that God thinks about you at that moment? I mean, it's, it's okay to think that God loves you when you've read, you know, 10 chapters, prayed, fasted, did everything right. But you know the acid test is when you've messed up. How do you feel at that moment? How do you see God? How do you think God sees you, thinks about you, and will respond to you at that moment? On that hard level, do you think that God is disappointed with you, angry, maybe disgusted, thinking, here she goes again? <laughs> or do you feel that God is kind of like indifferent, thinking, well, I've got better things to do, better fish to fry, you know? Okay, I've got to have to take care of the universe, okay? So please, <laughs> would you hold? Or do you feel like God is excited about you because God knows that you care, and God knows that you're just learning to walk by faith, and he's excited about you. How do you really, I mean, you, you, you're the only one that can answer that question. You know how you feel and how you perceive God. And you know, here is the thing, a lot of Christians, they are trying to commune with God, to have intimacy with God, and oftentimes they are doing that from, you know, their emotions or from their own experience. You know what they've experienced or how they feel? I mean, here, is a, here are some good things. Here are some way you know where you stand. When you feel lonely, 
And you feel maybe that God is at a thousand miles away from you or 10,000 miles. What do you really think? Most people that I do not have that strong foundation, they will automatically think that it's God that removed, that it's God that is kind of moved away from them. Don't look at me so innocent and holy. <laughs> or maybe you feel guilty or condemned. A lot of people, they think and feel that it's God making them feel that way. It's silent in that Catholic church. <laughs> or maybe, you know, you pray, you pray and ask God and your prayers are not answered. You know, you might be tempted to think that it's God that has just decided that he was not going to answer your prayer, that he was withholding his promises from you. Or maybe, you know, you excited because you start, you want to pray for people or pray for the sick and you don't see anything. Nobody gets healed. Nothing is happening. And you think, well, I haven't fasted enough, prayed enough. I'm not good enough. And God really probably doesn't want to use me. How many women could say, I felt one of those or all of those? Oh, some of those. Where does this come from? Where does that mentality and that thinking come from? It comes from somebody who does not understand their righteousness in this new covenant. They don't understand it and they're not founded in it. The word of God is the only place that can really tell us about this righteousness. Yeah. Not our emotions, not our feelings, and not our experience or the experience of somebody else. The word of God has to be, will be the only thing that will tell you about your righteousness and about how God feels about you. In Hebrew 8.13, it says, a new covenant he has given us a new covenant. He has made the old obsolete. That means the old way, you know, when you tend to think like I've been talking about, it's somebody that has been taught to walk in this new covenant using Old Testament methods. And it doesn't work. And you get frustrated and you try to approach God and have intimacy with God and love God and let him love you. But it doesn't work because that mentality, your mentality is an Old Testament mentality trying to walk in a new covenant. So we've got to discover tonight. What does the word of God say about our righteousness do you know that the gospel, we call the gospel, it's called the ministry of righteousness. Why? Because in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And so what does the gospel say about our righteousness? And you know, like I said, understanding our righteousness in Jesus Christ is the most important thing. It's the foundational things because it's from that place that we will be able to have intimacy with God. 
And so by the end of tonight, my prayer, my hope, my belief is that you will leave this place no longer as a yo-yo Christian led one day by your emotion and having, you know, one day on the top of the mountain with God, God loves me, I love God, and then the next day falling apart and 1,000 miles away from God. Hallelujah. So to understand our righteousness, we're going to look at the world. But you know what I love? Let's look at the beginning when God created the world and he created Adam and Eve. Because when God created Adam and Eve, he created them perfect in his image, in his likeness, would you agree? And he created them righteous. So if you can look at how Adam and Eve responded to God and related to God at the beginning in this righteousness, then you can see what righteousness looks like. Hallelujah. But before I go further, I know some of you, because when you hear that word righteousness, it sounds like a big old, big old world. You know, it's like, what is righteousness? And oftentimes we hear that word here and there, and we kind of know it here in our head, theologically, whatever. But we don't really understand what righteousness is. It really is illegal something legal that happened. Righteousness is our legal right to come and approach God without any sense of shame, of guilt, of fear, no complex of inferiority as if sin had never existed. That righteousness is what allows us to be justified, declared innocent, and to approach God straight and, and, and with a high lifted up. You see, that righteousness is what enables us to approach God, our Father, as close as possible without fear, shame, guilt, and without a complex of inferiority. Imagine a second, how would you feel? How would you think? How would you talk? How would you behave? How would you approach God if you knew you had never sinned before? If you knew sin was not even an issue, how would that change your way of thinking, talking, acting, and approaching God? That is what righteousness is supposed to do. And think about it, that righteousness is illegal, something legal, something that has been done in the kingdom of God by Jesus Christ to allow you to be before God without guilt, shame, without a complex of inferiority, and without fear. And so when we look at Adam and Eve at the beginning, it's interesting to notice how they're related to God. I mean, apparently Adam felt very comfortable around God. He walked with him. The Bible said that in the cool of the day, which apparently was the evening, God would come and Adam would talk with him and Adam would just walk and they just hang out together. 
had a good old time together. And apparently there was no fear. Fear only came after the fall. You remember what Adam fell. The first thing he did, he ran away, hid, and was afraid of God. And we notice, so the Bible tells us that they were naked, husband and wife, they were not ashamed or embarrassed. Because they were righteous, there was no shame, no fear, no embarrassment. And you know what just to me is so comforting? Is to see that there was a trust relationship between God and man. Where God trusted man and gave him everything. Listen to what it says. I think it's in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. It said, God blessed man, Adam and Eve. And he said, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. He gave, God gave them everything and trusted man with his authority. But what I even like even better is that God made man as a partner. You see there that there was no sense. I mean, when God called Adam and he said, Adam, come over here and you look at everything I've created and I've created millions of animals. You know what you're going to do? Come here, son. Come here. I want you to name every animal. Give it a name according to its personality, its appearance, its function, and everything. And you never see Adam said, I can't. I'm not good enough. I didn't go to college. I'm not sure. I, I'm not God. No, there was no sense, no complex of inferiority. There was no shame, no fear. There was no sense of I can't. I mean, Adam said, well, okay. And he named millions of animals. And we see that relationship of trust. I mean, God trusted him and entrusted him with everything. And he, he, he enrolled him in the family business, if you will. <laughs> there was that, that, that intimacy, that, that friendship, that love, that trust that was between man and between God. Hallelujah. And I love that. There was so much favor of a man. At the big, listen to that verse. In Psalm 8, verse 4 and 6, it says, the King David said, what is man that you are so mindful of him? And I love that. Let me pause on that. You are so mindful of of him. You know what I mean? God couldn't stop thinking about man. His mind was like full of him. Mind full. A mind full of man. He couldn't stop thinking. You know when you're in love with somebody, remember lady, the first time you met your husband or little young women, maybe you have your eyes on somebody and you cannot stop about thinking about that guy. <laughs> That's how God thinks about us. His mind is full of us. Millions of us. But you see that love that God had for man at the beginning. Because man was created in God's image and he was righteous. Without fear, without shame, without feeling inadequate, without complex of inferiority, without guilt or without condemnation. 
But you know here, and you know I love, I love when I think of that. From that time when men fell, you could see that God's heart was like, after men fell and men was kind of, you know, got afraid, was afraid to talk to God, afraid to approach God, afraid to have a, God was looking, his heart was so wanting to have intimacy with, with people, with men, that he was looking. It's like, is there somebody here that is not afraid of me? Is there somebody here that just would want to be my friend? Is there some, and finally when he found, you know, he found Enoch. And the Bible says in Hebrew 11, and I love that, that Enoch had faith because he had that testimony that he pleased God. You know what that means? That Enoch discovered that God was not that mean ogre, that God was good and that God loved him. And he knew that every time he came close to God, God was a rewarder of those who just dare to approach him. He discovered that and God said, finally, and God was so thrilled. He said, I'm taking that guy with me. <laughs> and then finally we found Noah. And the Bible said that Noah found grace with God. What does it mean that he discovered God's goodness? He found and discovered the grace of God. God is good. God loves me. God wants to bless me. He wants to be my friend. And when, when God could find a people like that, that dare to believe that he was good, that dare to believe that they could come close to him, oh man, God would just flip, backflip, and get excited. It's never been away from his heart. His heart, his passion, his intimacy with you and I. But you see, in order, what is it that separated those few handful of people that dared approach God and, and, and be friend with God with the other people? All of the others did not understand who God was and did not understand that they could approach God and love God and let him love them. They were afraid. They were guilty. They were feeling so inferior, inadequate. They were so full of shame that they were like, uh-uh, no, mm -mm, don't want to talk to God. But here is the good news, that in Jesus Christ, that same righteousness that Adam and Eve had at the beginning has been restored to us. That same righteousness, that means that, listen to that verse, and that verse is packed full with goodness. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17 and 19, it said, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man, disobedience, many were made sinners, thank you, Adam. So also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Listen to this. Do you know what that verse actually say? You have done nothing to become a sinner. There is nothing you can do to become righteous. Righteousness doesn't come because of your behavior, 
because you're a good person, because you act right, because of your goodness. Righteousness is a free gift given to you because of Jesus' goodness, because of what he did for you. And you know what is so awesome? What he says is righteousness is not just something that was given to you, it's something that you were made. Righteousness, I said you were made righteous. You know what that means? It's part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. It's part of your new nature. You are now righteous. So you know what that means? It means that now legally, legally you have that legal right to approach Father God anytime, anywhere, anyhow without feeling afraid, afraid of punishment, afraid of whatever. You can approach without feeling guilty and condemned. You can approach without shame. You can approach without a complex of inferiority, knowing that God is your father. You are his daughter. You have his DNA. Now, this is your nature. You are righteous. Repeat out loud after me. I am righteous. I am righteous. I am righteous. For some of you, it's like, I am righteous. You feel like you're blaspheming because you are declaring, I am righteous. You see, righteousness has nothing to do with your behavior. It has everything to do with just believing in Jesus, your faith. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. And you know what is so cool and awesome? Because some people, that's how they feel and think. Well, when I get to heaven, I'll really even be more righteous. I'll really be righteous. And yeah, Jesus was righteous. I'm just kind of like under, you know, Jesus is here. I'm like kind of. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are you when you get to heaven. No, in this world, as he is, Jesus Christ, so are you in this world. Jesus is righteous, would you agree? So are you. Jesus is holy. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. So are you. You are created in God's image. Look at your neighbor and said, man, you look good. You look like God. You are created in God's image. And Andrew has an awesome teaching, all of that. Because people get confused thinking, well, I look at my flesh, I look at my body, I look at my thinking. I'm not righteous and holy. But Andrew has a great teaching in spirit and in truth that talks about that righteousness is in your spirit, not in your flesh. It's in your spirit. You are righteous because in your spirit, you are born again and you are a new creation, identical to Jesus. But you see that righteousness, ladies, you are going to have to accept it and receive it by faith. What does that mean, by faith? What is faith? Hebrew 11.1 says, faith 
is really, and I'll paraphrase, it's the gospel according to Audrey Matt. So, <laughs> faith is trusting God and his word more than what you can feel or see. Yeah. It's trusting what God says more than what you think or what you can feel and see in your body and your emotions. And you know that righteousness, you have to believe and receive it by faith. Why do I say that? Because there will be many days you're not going to feel righteous. You might look at your behavior, at your, you know, at stuff, and you might not look righteous and feel righteous. But at that moment, you're going to have to believe by faith that I am righteous. I know it doesn't look like it. I know I don't feel like it, but I am righteous. And no matter what's going on, I still have a right to approach my Father God boldly, to jump on his laps, take him in my arms and say, Daddy God, I'm sorry, but I so love you. I cannot spend another minute without you. That gives you, that's righteousness by faith that allows you to do that when you know that. Hallelujah. Because that righteousness comes with your salvation. I mean, how many of you would agree that there are some days you don't feel saved? <laughs> there are some days you're like, but you know you or you have that assurance, oh, I, I'm saved. You, 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 you've, you've trained yourself when you don't feel saved, you've trained yourself to believe it and accept it by faith. Why? Because you know the word says so. And in the same way, you are going to have to train yourself in that righteousness because righteousness comes with salvation. He says, by faith are, you, are we saved resulting in righteousness. When you get saved, that salvation makes you righteous. So in the same way that you train yourself to know I am saved, I'm God's child, I'm saved. At that same moment, you're gonna have to train yourself knowing by faith, I am righteous. And knowing what righteousness is, is being able to walk, to run to God boldly with that fear, with that shame, with that guilt and condemnation, and with that, that complex of inferiority. I, uh, you know, like that poor, you know, warm mentality. No, 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 you come to God boldly, your head lifted high, and say, God, I know, but I love you. Thank you, Father God, that you forgive me, you love me, you purify me, you bless me because you are my Father and I love you. And you see, knowing this righteousness, it's going to protect your heart. Knowing this righteousness will protect your heart. You know, that's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, he talked about the armor of God. Let me read it to you. In, in Ephesians 6, verse 13 and 14, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate 
of righteousness. Now, why did, I mean, I can imagine Paul was in a Roman cell. He probably had a Roman guard in front of him and all of a sudden felt inspired as he inspected every part of the armor. And he noticed that there was a big breastplate right here covering the vital organ, the heart, the liver, and all the... Now, why is it that he called it a breastplate of righteousness? Because knowing this righteousness will protect your heart from those feelings of condemnation, of fear, of shame, of inferiority. But you've got to put that armor on. You've, you've got to, like I said, you're going to have to train yourself up. When you feel vulnerable, when you feel unworthy, you feel ashamed, you are afraid, you know, you feel like you want to run away from God. At that moment, you've got to train yourself saying, uh-uh, no, I've got that breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart from any feeling of shame and fear and condemnation. And so how do you put that breastplate? The number one, you got to have to accept by faith that you are righteous. And let me tell you something. When you mess up really bad, you know what the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? You know, when you mess up and you still boldly dare to run to Father God, Daddy God, because you've messed up, at that moment, you demonstrate and you show more faith than any other time. And at that moment, you are pleasing God more than any other time. Think about it. It takes no faith or little faith to approach God when you've read your Bible, when you fasted and prayed, when you've got all your ducks in a row. It takes little faith to come and fellowship with Father God. But when you've messed up and you feel that small and you're tempted to feel condemned, ashamed, and unworthy, and you dare to Go to God and run to him and say, God, I love you. At that moment, Father God's got a smile from ear to ear because you know that at that moment, you are believing him more than what believing your feelings. You are believing him more than what your body, your emotion tell you. You are walking in greater faith. Amen. <sighs> Glory to God. Ladies, accepting, you're going to have to put that breastplate of righteousness, believing, number one, that you are righteous and understand that it is your legal right. Legally, the devil does injustice when he accuses you and condemns you and try to make you feel ashamed and unworthy, he's committing high injustice. But you see, if you know your legal right, have you ever seen somebody who knows their right and somebody tries to do to arrest them or do whatever and the guy say, uh-uh, I know my right, article such and such, an article such and such says, this is my constitutional right. Amendment number one or amendment whatever. <laughs> when you know your rights, there is a boldness. 
try to step on me, try to do something that I'm all right, and you've got something coming, honey. <laughs> when you know your legal right in the kingdom of God, that you are the righteousness of God, it makes you bold as a lion. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. So don't let the devil play that one on you. Uh-uh. We've got to stand up, rise up. And here is something, you know, I, I, I love that. You're going to have to put that breastplate of righteousness. You're going to have to be convinced 100% that God loves you. You're going to have to know no matter what. You know, love holds no account of evil. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't keep a, an account. And it's not, you know, love is not like, how do you call that? You know, irritable, like, here again you messed up. You told me you wouldn't get angry and here again you just screamed at your kids. No, God doesn't keep an account. He's not, you know, irritable. No, no, love. You're going to have to know that. And listen to that one verse. In 1 John, oh, glory to God. In 1 John, mm -mm -mm, chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Say, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, when we think about the day of judgment, you know what we think? You know, the beam of seat of Christ, when we're going to go in front of the throne and give an account. That's not what he's talking about. On that day, we're not going to need boldness because we'll, be, we'll know him as we are known. What is it? It's the word judgment is the word crisis. It means condemnation and accusation. When the devil is coming to accuse you and to condemn you, when you know your righteousness and you know how much Father God loves you, what does it say? Your love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day we are accused and condemned by the devil, knowing, uh -uh, no devil, I am loved by my Father, so pack your bag and go. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We've got to be perfect, knowing Father God loves us. But here's this is a little trick that the devil does. Sue, would, would you come here? And Nicole, come here. I won't bother Carrie because she's got all her notes and everything. <laughs> But this is what the, how the devil does it. You know, the Bible, have you ever, it's, I think it's in Proverbs 19, verse 12. It says, the wrath of the king, of the king, is like the roaring of a lion. When God the king, he is the king, when he's going to make judgment, it's going to be like, nobody's going to wonder, is it God judging? No. Whoa. <laughs> He says, the wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Have you ever wondered why in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, the devil come as 
a roaring lion. You know what he does? No, you come right here, Sue, because you're sweet, you're a Christian, you love Jesus. <laughs> she's God because she's like spiritual. I mean, and I'm the devil. <laughs> just for tonight, just for tonight. You know, and here is Sue, she loves God and she knows she wants, and you know what the devil does? They're walking and here is God walking with Sue. You know, come, come, because you're close, right? And then the devil walks, and then they walk and have fun, and all of a sudden, and he goes, don't listen. That's him. That's God who did that. the devil does. He will, he will throw you one, then make you feel condemned and ugly and make you believe yeah. it's God. And when, if you think it's God, then what are you going to do? You're not going to resist. You're going to like, oh God, I love you. And you're going to just do penance for, you know, two months. Some people for longer try to suffer because I really, and the devil, I mean, he's going to Thing well, yeah, it's God. Uh-uh, God, there is now no condemnation coming from God ever. Why? Amen. Because, thank you, ladies. Sorry, I could pray for you. Healed. <laughs> we just see a miracle. A miracle. She's healed. I don't know. Maybe I should pray <laughs> What? When you know you are righteous, that's who you are loved, made in God's image, and that God will never look at you, never reject you, push you away, never condemn you, never make you feel ashamed, condemned, inferior in what, but God will always lift you up. And that's why he made you righteous. But ladies, you and I, it means we're gonna have to be established, settled, Firm in that righteousness by faith. Listen to those two verses. In Isaiah 54 verse 14, it says, In righteousness you shall be established and you shall be far from oppression and you shall not fear and from terror it shall not come near you. When you become established in this truth, lady, and you no longer are moved by your, what you feel or your emotion, your feelings, your experience, but yeah, it feels like, uh, but yet yeah, no, you've got to be established and strong knowing no matter what's going on, you're going to say, I am the righteousness of God and I'm never going to let anyone or anything separate me from my father from being intimate with him, to run to him, to love on him and let him love me. And listen to that one verse in Hebrew chapter five, verse 12 and 13. He said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have become to need milk and not solid food. And listen to this. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. You know what he's saying? 
that when you are not established and skilled in the righteousness of God, you're like a babe. You're immature. One day you're here, the next day you're there. But ladies, we are the righteousness of God. We are no longer going to walk by our emotions or feeling or experience or what we think, but we're going to be established, strong, settled in this righteousness because God needs in these last days you and I to be so close to him, to have such an ear to what he's saying. That's why Jesus again and again and again, and he said 16 times, he was ears to hear. Let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. In these last days where there is so much lies, so much deception, you and I have to be so close to Father God, so attentive to the Holy Spirit that we can hear and be settled. And we're not gonna be moved here and there by emotions and feelings but we're gonna be established and strong because Father has need of us. And so tonight, we're gonna take communion. Oh, glory to God. We are going to take communion because you know what communion, I have so many different ways I explain. Now don't you be packing your bags like you're getting ready to leave. <laughs> you see, I, I have so many different ways that I can explain communion of what it really is. But you know what the Lord spoke to me about tonight, about taking, wow, where did that come from? <laughs> Father God, thank you. It just dropped right here from heaven. Manna from heaven. But you know what communion to me, what the Lord spoke to me about tonight's communion. It's an invitation from God to enter into a love union with Christ, our bridegroom. You know, I love when you see a Jewish wedding and when the man comes to the the girl's house, you know what they do? He takes a cup of wine and he gives that cup to the girl who is promised, oh, he's gonna be his bride. And if she accepts the cup and drinks it, what she's saying, we are entering into a covenant. Now, everything you have is mine, everything I have is yours. I even give you my life. And now I know you are going to prepare a place for me and you will come back and take me with you. Selah. <sighs> Every time we take communion, we are reminding ourselves that we are in a love relationship with Jesus that we are his bride, he is our bridegroom. And he left for a little while to prepare a place for us, but he's coming back to meet us in the air. And we're gonna be with him for seven years while judgment happens on the earth, we're gonna be in a love chamber with Jesus Christ. <sighs> so every time we take communion, we remind ourselves, you are my bridegroom and you're coming back to get me. And um, my life is yours and your life is mine. But then the bread, you know what the bread means? 
the bread, and I love that. In the book of Exodus, the first time that there was what a symbol of communion, what God told Israel to get rid of leaven in the house and to eat bread with that leaven. Do you know what leaven speaks of according to Jesus Christ? In Luke 12, verse 1, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. You know what Jesus was saying here when he was telling us to eat the bread, especially unleavened bread, is that he was wanting an intimate relationship with us where we would be so intimate, so transparent without pretense, without hypocrisy, without malice, just an open heart to us. This is who I am. I'm going to be so honest with you. I'm going to be so transparent with you because I want intimacy with you, God. When we take the bread of communion is to remind us that God loves us and we have nothing to hide. We're just going to bear a heart and be totally transparent before him and enter into that intimate relationship with him. No hypocrisy, no pretense, no trying to be somebody we're not. What you see is what you get, God. And that's all he wants. Hallelujah. So, it takes a PhD here to open that cup. <laughs> so as we take this cup, let's just close our eyes and just picture Jesus Christ himself bringing this cup to you and say, would you be my beloved? Would you marry me? Would you be mine? And I will be totally yours. So as you drink this cup, imagine saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to be totally yours. My life is yours and your love is mine. I am yours and you are mine. Let's just drink together. Father God, I just pray, even right now, for your love just to flood over that there will be such a revelation at that moment of what it means Jesus to give himself to you and to want to be yours and you are his. And right now, Lord, we make a commitment to you to enter into this love relationship with you without hypocrisy without pretense, without a mask, but be totally transparent and honest and to love you and just be so just authentic with you because that's how you want us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for intimacy with you.
Could I have some of the musician? I don't know if I can. Is it possible? Oh, everything is gone. Some music, something. Would you sing, Carrie? Just take the microphone and sing. <laughs> this is what I felt, what I, I sensed in my heart. That first of all, if there are some of you tonight that you don't have, you might have gone to church, but you've never really given your life to Jesus. You might have prayed a little prayer, but you've never made that commitment to said, it's no longer my life. I'm not gonna run in the way I want, but I'm gonna give myself completely to you. Now my life is yours. What you say goes. Is there anybody here tonight? You would say, you know what? I want to make that commitment tonight to give my life completely to the Lord. Anybody? Okay. Yes, honey. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, Yes. I pray for you then. I just pray let your hands lifted high as a sign to the Lord that tonight you've made one step forward. That it's now you're all in. And you say, Lord, there's no more playing. There's just... I'm all in. Now my life belongs to you. No holding back. No keeping anything from you. I'm just going to give myself all in. I just pray right now in Jesus' name. I will also like to pray with what I ministered on tonight, it would be it would be right for you ladies, if anybody here, you've been that person that has been under a burden of guilt or shame or fear. You've never totally been able to enter and connect with God because you've always had that feeling of inferiority, that feeling of guilt, that feeling of, of, of shame. If it is you tonight, I would like you to come forward and I'm going to pray for you. If you are here tonight and say, I want to be free. I want to get rid of all of that. I want to get rid of all of that. 
just come up and come forward. Tonight is, we're gonna start that night being free women. No longer be tossed under that weight of, of hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You see, it seems like I, I shared the right message tonight. Look at that. You see, us women, God has gifted us with such wonderful emotions. That ability to feel, that ability to perceive and feel, but yet sometimes this gift that was given to us, the devil can use it to our detriment, to enslave us, to separate us from Father God. Oh, hallelujah. So tonight, you've heard what I ministered tonight. We're gonna pray tonight. Tonight is only the beginning of freedom, but you're gonna have to walk that freedom out. In the next few days and weeks and months, you're gonna have to remember, and I pray that what I spoke would be so ingrained in your heart that the Holy Spirit will bring it up and you will know, oh no, I am righteous, therefore I will not feel condemned, I will not feel, uh, you know, I will not feel ashamed, I will not fear, no, no. I'm gonna run to Father God. This is where I can find help. This is where I can find grace. This is where I can find mercy. So I pray tonight in the name of Jesus, take your hand and put it on your heart, put it on your head, put it in, and I declare right now, freedom in the house. I call the spirit of shame to be broken over you in Jesus' name. The Lord has spoken to me this afternoon that there was a lady here. You have been sexually abused, but yet you have felt like it was your fault. You have felt so ashamed, so guilty, and you've carried that guilt and that shame thinking it was your fault. I declare right now, be free. I call that shame to be broken over you. I call that guilt to be broken over you. I call that fear, that fear to approach God and to be transparent, to be broken over you. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come here, sweetheart. I break that shame over you. I break the shame over you. I say be free, be loosed in Jesus' name. Be free, free. You are beautiful, made in God's image. And I call those words, whatever was done and said, I break its power and its, its ability to harm you, its ability to hinder you, its ability to destroy you. I declare you free, free right now, free right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, 
There is another woman here tonight. There's been so many words spoken over you that you were nothing, that you were worthless, that you would never do anything and amount to anything. I call those words broken over you. I call every seed of hatred planted in Ekanemane, right now uprooted. I speak love flowing in your heart right here. I speak that love right now. Whoever has hurt you, whoever has offended you, whoever has spoken hatred over your life, release that person right now. Forgive them, release that person, bless that person, release them. I say you are free. You are free, free. I call your heart free from the pain. I call those words broken over you in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I call you into your image. I call it in the image of God in you. I say those lies, I call them broken over you. You are beautiful and worthy, made in God's image with such a purpose on your life. Don't bury it. Don't bury that purpose. It's from God. It seems too big. It seems impossible. God dreams big for you. So just hear it, accept it, and say, yes, Lord, let it be done according to your word and your will. In the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you right now. I just bless your daughters. I just bless. You guys want to come and help me to pray for these beautiful daughters. We bless your daughters. We call them free. Free in Jesus' name. I release. I release the purpose and the gifts in Jesus' name. I release healing, healing, healing in Jesus' name. Stand in your righteousness. Stand in your righteousness. That's who you are. I call you free from guilt and condemnation, fear, and this complex of inferiority. You are beautiful, made in God's image, perfect, righteous, and holy. You are a piece of art created by the master's hand. You're gonna have to learn to see yourself like that. Beautifully, wonderfully made. And I declare right now, Chile I call self-hatred. There are some of you lady, there's been, you've been suffering of self-hatred. You hate who you are. You hate who you are. I call that self-hatred broken over you in Jesus' name. I call that self-hatred broken over you. Do not despise who God made you. He made you beautiful. He made you talented. Some of you hate your personality. Learn to love it. 
because that's your greatest asset. Embrace it, accept it, love it, thank God for it. As you start thanking God for who he made you to be in your physical, in your personality, in your gifting, as you start giving thanks to God, you will start seeing what you have not been able to see before. You're gonna start seeing yourself through God's eyes. So I release right now in Jesus' name. And I Lord, open her eyes that she may see how beautiful she is, what you put on the inside of her. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You are beautiful, honey. Thanks. Kia noma andele kidoro. Kia to proshtede. I call that shyness, that tele kastede, intikeles, insecurity. Your name is Audrey, yeah. like me. Uh, yes. Hello, yeah. sweetheart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, you are noble and strong. Yeah. That's who you yes. are. You are, that's your name. Yeah. The name Audrey means noble and strong. Yeah. And that's who you are. And you start embracing it and say, I am noble and I am strong. I am noble and I am strong. That's who you are. Name are very important. Yeah. Embrace it. Yeah. Accept it. Lord, ebene karobo shikiche tarara, shikinde le katole kashtoro, hu shiki anomo te de kete, lena ya labrosiste, kide enomande le ketale, la nale katele kestare. Lord, I call a release of your gifts, a release, Father God, of the true you. You like a, you like a little caterpillar in a cocoon, afraid to get out. You've been ingrown. God says it's time for the world to see who you really are, to see the true you, the gifts, the beauty that is in you. So stop hiding it and stop hiding behind. Are you a shy person? I think so. So I just break that spirit of timidity. And Lord, I just pray right now that she would just come out strong and bold about who God made her to be. In Jesus' name, I release, thank you. Blessed, blessed. Blakore ki chietala kore, ki etono no kotede, namatare ke jele katoro. Sue, Tracy, Carrie, all of you, if you have a word or anything, just step in. Because I feel, God, there's still something God wants to do right here tonight. Sede anama breva tono konde ne kadare, kadiapta kare kijiki chano konde de, lena nakandolo kore kijiatare, ke latai elenamato tobre karie, pregishti etano, ki alator oshtede de kichide, just repeat after me out loud. Condemnation, 
fear, fear. inferiority, fear. Shame, shame is no longer a part of who I am. I am beautiful. I am bold. I am secure. I am wonderfully made in God's image. That's who I am. The gifts of God in me. Let them be released in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You have something on your heart. You have a word or something. So, Elana Mato Broshi Kide Etono no Cochere, Secara Cade, come over here. Lena Nakadole Brase Kiendele Cade. I have one physical thing and it's like ongoing migraines, ongoing migraines and tension. And this physical thing has been caused through an emotional root that Father God wants to dig up tonight. If that's you, I want you to put your hand on your head. Yes. Kiala And I want you to repeat after me, Father God, I dig up this root that was sown through those emotional wounds that have transpired into this condition which haunts me, which hinders me I am done now in Jesus' name. And I break that condemnation which is causing this migraine, headaches, whatever it is you've been diagnosed with. And we break that now in the name of Jesus. So I want you to ask this question now, Father God, now I don't have that headache anymore. What are you going to give me in return? Amen. He's the father of good gifts. I have something also, I just felt, um, and I'm going to pray, come on Nicole, if you have something. I'm going to pray for you ladies, for all of you. I'm going to pray that tonight you're going to have such a good night of sleep. Some of you ladies have been suffering from insomnia. If it is you, I want to see your hand. Look at that. I break that insomnia over you in Jesus' name. I call forth sweet sleep. For God says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. So I declare tonight that you will have a sound 
sweet sleep. But even more than that, you will wake up with words from the Lord. You will wake up with dreams and visions and words that God will confirm and affirm and speak to you as you wake up. So when that happens, don't be in a rush to get up, to run, to get your cup of coffee. Lay in bed, meditate, and just think about it and then write it down. God will do that. And I, you are going to sleep, not like angels because angels don't sleep, but you're gonna sleep like, I don't know. No, babies don't sleep either. Maybe that's how I'm gonna sleep. What is that animal that sleep all? You know what I mean, so you're gonna sleep. And you're gonna wake up refreshed with a new word from the Lord. I declare that over you tonight. Go, Nicole. I just felt like um, there's people in here that the Father wants to heal your heart of loss and grief. And that could be over the loss of a pet. I'm an animal lover, I understand that. The Father cares and wants to heal your heart, the loss of a loved one, um, the loss of a friend. The Father knows and Jesus came to heal broken hearts. So if that's you, just put your hand on your heart and I'm just gonna pray over you. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus going to the cross and taking all pain, all sickness, anything that we would go through on himself so that we could be free. Father, I thank you that you are a father of compassion and you care for us in this loss but you want us to walk in healing and freedom. So right now I just say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed right now. That overwhelming feeling of loss and grief, go right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. And I just feel like the Father just wants you to know that he loves you, he will never leave you or forsake you. You are his beloved daughter and he cherishes you. Amen. Glory to God. So now you know, ladies, when the devil comes as a roaring lion trying to make you to condemn you, to shame you, to get you into a place of fear and, and worthlessness or whatever. You know who you are. You stand up, you resist, and you say you be bold, and you run to Daddy God where he will wrap his arms around you and love on you. That's the only place you need to run to. Hallelujah. And you're going to have to do that to establish your heart in your righteousness because that's who you are. Nobody else can do that for you. 
I can't do that for you. I can only tell you who you are. But you day after day, you're going to have to train yourself in that word of righteousness and remind yourself. That's why getting the CDs from the conference, it's so important. You can continue to hear it and hear it and hear it until it becomes a part of, gets in your heart and you walk in it. Amen. Because you are powerful, beautiful, and God, Father God, has need of you in these last days. Amen. God bless you. I pray, I hope you will be back, you know, every day, every session on Saturday, I think it's Saturday morning, I will be teaching one more time, and I'm going to get really practical, really of what it means to have Christ live in you and you living in Christ and entering into that place of rest in God and intimacy with the Father. Amen. Amen. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.